We are joined on the morning brief by Mark Tui, advisor to business and political leaders. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John Moore. All right, so you've worked at City Hall. You know what it's like to pass legislation that may never happen. Uh, Toronto approving an ambitious housing plan that is thoroughly unfunded. Yeah, Toronto City Council spends an egregiously large amount of time passing things that are never going to happen. Um, look, this is a plan to build 65,000 rent-controlled homes by uh, 2030, so that's in uh, seven years, six years. Uh, that just seems in a really short amount of time, but this is a crisis. We need to do something but nobody's paying for it. So they're looking at the federal and the provincial governments in order to cough up some money. But if you were Doug Ford or Justin Trudeau or any of their relevant ministers that are responsible for this kind of stuff, and you had an ask from the City of Toronto for billions of dollars of homes that the City of Toronto will build and then operate, uh, all you might want to do is walk through any of the Toronto community housing buildings that we already have in order to learn that this is a colossally stupid idea. The city of Toronto, I don't know a single councillor down there that knows how to swing a hammer, so I don't know how the city is going to build these. They're going to hire construction firms, so we're talking private sector, uh, which is a good thing. But then who's going to run them, John? I mean, who's going to collect the rent? Who's going to fix the broken tiles? Who's going to change out, uh, you know, inoperable stoves and, uh, and microwaves and fridges? I mean, that's gonna be the city and we can't do that now I don't think this is a good idea although I would say uh, the complete transformation of Regent Park I think has been an incredible example in public housing now whether or not and it wasn't done by the well, public yeah. it wasn't done by the public agency that was done by private developers working hand in hand with the public agency and then if you live in Regent Park in a Toronto community housing uh, tower uh, you know you, you there's a there's a, a shine of newness to some things for a little while but when somebody doesn't take care of their fridge somebody's got to do something about it and there is no competent authority in charge one of the many things on the agenda yesterday was Etobicoke's coat of arms. And while I'm not a big fan of all this sort of revisionism we're going through right now, and we need to rename Dundas and the Langevin building and stuff like that, I will say, when I looked at the coat of arms, it's part of a longstanding tradition of artwork where indigenous people are sort of worshipping at the feet of their colonial uh, civilizers. That's absolute hogwash, John. I'm looking at the thing right now. There's no indigenous person at the foot of a white person. That's simply untrue. There's an indigenous uh, man, it looks like, and a like a, a settler, you know, European adventure. Apparently, it's supposed to be Etienne Brule. Uh, they're on an equal footing. They're both supporting the coat of arms. So, like, don't let's not sell this incorrectly on the radio for people who haven't seen it. But let's also note that nobody has seen this, John. Unless you've been in the Etobicoke Civic Center uh, at a community council meeting, where would you ever see this? Because the idea that this is, you know, inherent to the self-identity of Etobians, and I have lived in this uh, Etobicoke uh, uh, area for over 20 years, I've never really 
ever seen it. It was in the background. I've been in that room. I never noticed it. So the idea that this is part and parcel with who I am as uh, as a resident of Etobicoke is hogwash also. But I just like I don't think it's offensive unless you're looking for a reason to be offended. Uh, it is anachronistic, but so is all of history. That's the definition of history. And uh, but does it really matter? No. Why is Etobicoke? Why is the city council? Why are the city staff spending my money, your money, and uh, their time fixing a problem that no one thought existed? Okay, I agree with you on that. But let's note that underneath the indigenous person is the word tradition. Underneath the European is progress, which suggests that, you know, things are better thanks to the arrival of the Europeans. It doesn't just suggest that. That's a fact. Every indigenous elder I have ever spoken to, and I grew up in British Columbia where we lived side by side, I knew many of them, still do, they harp constantly about their traditions and the traditions of the land and how we have to respect that. And we do, but they're all about their traditions. And things changed when the Europeans arrived. That change, I think, is better now than it was then. They didn't have the kind of medicine we have now. They didn't have the kind of science. There were very few people living here then that's change you can call it change or you can call it progress but it is the advance of time i don't think there's anything wrong with that it just offends us because we choose to be offended okay well i'm waiting on my email from pamela palmater let's keep moving toronto police increasing the size of their hate crime unit i think all of this is encapsulated very well in rosie demano's column today that just sort of you know, suggests that this city is tense. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, I could make a comment that the city of Toronto police didn't seem to have any trouble increasing the size of the unit. So when they next come to us for more dollars to hire more police officers, keep that in mind. But I think what we're living through, I, I feel tense. All of my friends feel tense, even uh, especially my Jewish friends. Uh, you know, Muslim friends feel tense. They all feel they're put upon we're kind of stuck here because there's something that I I can't think of a better name for it, but I'll call it the foxhole effect. When you're in a trench and there are people running at you, shooting at you, you shoot back. You don't ask, why are they trying to kill me? Why don't they like me? What caused this disagreement? This is not the time to have rational conversations with people who view themselves metaphorically at war. And we saw the same thing after 9-11. You could not have a rational conversation with any American anywhere on the planet uh, about, you know, what might have caused the, you know, the this conflict between, you know, the Muslim terrorists and the United States and the Western democracies. That conversation needs to be had because that's the root of the problem. But we can't have it now. And so we have to respect and I think stand back a little bit when people are acting out of anger as long as we control it and we recognize what's happening. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Thanks, John. My Etobicoke friend, Mark Tuohy, advisor to business and political leaders, former chief of staff to a Toronto mayor as well.